From InsureTech Ireland, this is InsureTech Radio, episode 31. I'm Connor Sweetman and welcome to InsureTech Radio, the podcast that teaches you about how technology is changing insurance and about the people making it happen. Certainly what we're seeing is a recognition that, broadly speaking, operational resilience has been very poor. There is a significant push to enhance digital services, push more around um, self-serve. Certainly the virtual workforce, I think, uh, can see a lot of organizations now re-looking at how they deliver sales and service to their to their customers. Um, Last week, InsureTech Ireland hosted their first virtual meetup. And if you want to hear a recording of that, I've released the audio from the meetup, so you can check it out on this podcast feed. I released it at the same time as this episode. But in this episode, I am speaking to Jerry DeVere and Stan Nazarenko, both co-founders of InsureTech Ireland and both co-hosts of last week's virtual meetup. This episode is somewhat of a post-mortem on the meetup and a reflection on what's going on in our industry in light of coronavirus. I started off by asking the lads what were some of the standout thoughts or opinions offered by some of the speakers at the virtual meetup. Wow. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think for, for me... Um, Certainly, Mike Ennis's comments were were very enlightening um, on the on the, the the recovery stages. You know, it's it's interesting to think a few moves ahead, and sometimes that's something we're not particularly good at. We're, we tend to be reactive more than proactive. And you know, Mike has a, a breadth of experience in data analytics even before his time at Deloitte. But to hear about China and how people were starting to go back to the movies and how they were they, they were starting to recover. Um, that was really interesting because I think that's not something I had heard discussed before. I, I thought I'd just give a perspective from certainly what we're hearing from our colleagues in Asia, where you know some of the crisis is starting to dissipate uh, and some of the restrictions around movement, etc., have been lifted. Um, but one of the kind of interesting and slightly fun things is, you know, cinemas uh, and theatres are now um, opening back up, but uh, there's very little to see because a lot of the production in Hollywood is shut down. So they're rerunning a lot of um, older movies now just to uh, keep the audiences coming in. But certainly what we're seeing, um, and not just in insurance, but across the board industry-wide, is uh, a recognition that, broadly speaking, operational resilience has been very poor. Uh, lots, lots of organizations, there is a significant push to enhance digital services, push more around um, self-serve, certainly the virtual workforce. I think um, you'll see a lot of organizations having figured out that they can operate remotely, whether it's call centers or um, other even face-to-face operations now, um, considering, you know, why go back to the previous model um, when we when we can put in place, you know, a more robust uh, virtual workforce uh, that can operate very effectively in terms of customer service and quality, but also can help organizations reduce their footprint in terms of real estate. Um, uh, we're also seeing a big push towards cloud for obvious reasons. 
um, around you know operational resilience, flexibility, virtual workforce. So we're starting to see those requests coming in through our um, kind of Asia practice. Um, and certainly I can see a lot of organizations now re-looking at how they deliver sales and service to their to their customers um, with a view to you know let's 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 be innovative and, and reinvent and not go back to the original models and actually consider how we can do something that even though we were forced to do it because the crisis now has really pushed us to reconsider what we should do in the future so just to give you perspective on on what we're seeing on the other side of the world coming through and i think that will you'll start to see uh, you know as this lifts in the next couple of weeks and months i think you'll start to see organizations thinking much more holistically about their operating models and how they serve their customers going forward that was that was a, a different uh, but very enlightening perspective you know it wasn't regurgitating the same kinds of things that we that we've heard many times before so that that was a bit of a standout for me i found it refreshing um when we heard from three startups that we all shared the same story about um remote working and the impact of, of the crisis? Operationally, as well as um, not an awful lot of change because we were pretty distributed anyway. You know, we, we work from home quite a lot. We work at a dog patch in Dublin and we're in we have a more or less continuous presence in London um, in the Lloyd's lab. So we've kind of had to build the company to be resilient to this kind of thing because we, wherever we lay our hat is our home. So everything's done in the cloud. All our development's done in the cloud. Um, so that actually hasn't changed an awful lot. And we're quite used to working like this. We have a, we kind of have, we've kind of settled on a, a really good set of tools that we all use. Um, and we have a daily stand-up meeting that we all go to via Zoom. We've been doing it for about a year. So, you know, day-to-day -day things in terms of the business are, are more or less the same. It felt um, very strongly that um, all the modern startups are much more ready for this way of, of working and uh, the let's say more traditional companies are really catching up on that that was one interesting takeout of course uh, the discussion around um, change and opportunity was very very interesting and we certainly sense some sensitivity around it because as we often say, with every crisis comes an opportunity. However, we need to be very careful about how we word it because um, of obvious uh, significant impact on, 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 on us as a society. And yet, um, history shows that the impact of Hurricane Andrew in 1992 had a profound impact on the insurance industry and um, I think um, the coronavirus crisis will also have a quite significant impact and um, if we think about um, how the industry and, and, and companies and approaches will change we mentioned uh, a quote from Christopher Beans from Get Safe um, when um, in his interview uh, a week ago um, he was um, putting forward an idea that um, during this crisis the demand for digital for fully digital insurance products will grow and there have been a very interesting discussion around that 
Um, what else? Uh, of course, another interesting point which we touched, even though I don't think we, we had um, a precise answer, is the amount of government support available for both uh, the industry and, and startups. And we covered um, a couple of examples. We mentioned uh, the idea of, to create a runway fund in the UK to provide a, a loan facility for startups. We mentioned uh, France um, um, offering a similar solution where um, startups can borrow up to 25% of annual revenue or as much as two years of payrolls for, for employees uh, to keep them afloat. And we briefly touched the um, Irish situation where we didn't see yet any specific measures introduced to help startups. And the, the current recommendation is like for, for, for startups is to use where they can the, the general support offered to, to employers. To, to, just to, to follow up on that, I mean, I completely agree with Stan that, that one of the most important takeaways was the fact that the, all the startups that were on, on board um, saw things work relatively the same way and were seeing the same things in the market. So that's really encouraging. And the other thing I'll mention very briefly is um, the comments from, from Nisha Harnett around um, how governments and regulators are responding and actually some of the challenges that that can bring to the industry. From a legal perspective and certainly kind of some of the practical things that we're seeing in the market at the moment with clients is outsourcing and business continuity processes. So you're talking here about operational resilience and big concern for the regulators and the Central Bank of Ireland would be the extent to which there's substandard performance in outsourcing contracts from service providers who are impacted by COVID-19. There's been a lot of focus as well in the media and from you know particular insurers and reinsurers who are impacted um, from certain lines of business. So the obvious ones there are business interruption, travel insurance, wedding insurance and event cancellation insurance. Um, business interruption, I suppose, is the one that's got the most media attention. There's been a lot of talk about um, insurers attempting to wriggle out of cover um, and, you know, some some movements from the government and the Central Bank of Ireland about insurers acting appropriately. Um, a lot of talk about um, how if their businesses had cover in the event of an official lockdown or acquired lockdown um, or closure of businesses, that that should be a and allow them to recover in the current circumstances where it's essentially an advised closure of business. My understanding is there aren't a huge amount of business interruption contracts in the market which um, would actually fall into that bracket. So some of what we're seeing from the central bank and government, you know, is really kind of window dressing the fact that there's going to be a lot of businesses where they clearly won't have um, the type of cover required. Most business interruption policies will apply to either physical risks like fire or um, risks like um, outbreaks of name diseases on the premises. There has been a little bit of a rumour about potentially some retrospective legislation um, which would require insurers to provide cover um, for business interruption in the current circumstances. I think that would be very bad from an Ireland Inc. perspective. I don't see that happening. We're probably going to see some governmental and insurance industry um, solution to this problem. I mean, he, he made the point quite gently, but for 
regulators and governments to encourage insurance companies to pay claims that are not technically covered by the terms of a contract is a, is a dangerous precedent to set. And in in terms of impact on the industry, as, as Stan was, was addressing there, um, using, using Hurricane Andrew as the example, that is something that I think we'll have to watch very carefully because that will either directly or indirectly have an impact on the industry from a legislative point of view or from the perspective of the insurance companies where they'll have to cover themselves um, if they feel that in the event of a major crisis, the the governments and regulators are going to instruct them to pay out when they wouldn't otherwise. Um, insurance companies, sadly, are, well, maybe not sadly, but, but they're commercial entities. They're in it to make money. And so they'll have to cover for that as, a, as an option. Um, and that's quite worrying. Yes, it's a very interesting topic because um, we will see um, several very important um, context clash. One of the contexts is the role of, of insurance from the government perspective and, and from, from payouts perspective. Yet, um, if you think about how public perceives insurance, this is one of the examples where the value of insurance cannot be underestimated. It's one of these cases when people would really need to get help. And this is what insurance is, is for. Yet, as Jerry mentioned, um, insurance businesses are businesses. So they, they, they need to, to make money. They need to make sure that they survive. Um, um, and therefore, um, having potentially um, um, different measures that are used by governments and basically being forced to, to pay out where the contract language didn't have any provisions for that can be quite disruptive. Yeah, I think that's a very hard uh, thing to communicate in the news. It's very easy to go for the, the, the headline that you know, insurers should quote unquote play their part. But I don't think anyone has really considered you know the aggregate exposure so like all of those business interruption limits are about 100 grand or 250 grand which in the if it's one claim or a handful of claims in a year for an insurance company it's not too bad but if this is every commercial policy not just in ireland but in every country around the world for every insurer like it's not just going to affect insurers it affects reinsurers it affects the shareholders of those businesses as well so like uh, it's not a realistic uh, option, I don't think. Pat O'Brien described it very well when he said, from a financial perspective, insurance is about distributing risk so that the the losses to the to the few are covered by the many. It's obviously a frustrating situation for consumers where they have cover and the cover isn't applying. But I think in general, the reality from an insurer's perspective is cover was never intended to apply in this circumstance. You know, insurance is about spreading a loss among of the few among the many. And I guess what we have in this situation is we have a loss among the many. So, you know, it's just not practical for the insurance companies to pay. Uh, ultimately, though, that it does need to be a solution. So I think what we're starting to see in the US and in the UK now is talk towards a sort of a pool re or a flood re type model where they, the government would provide some cover and the, the industry would provide some cover. And I think ultimately that's the way we need to go. You know, it, it just doesn't work. And, and what will happen, we've seen this in other lines, that are, are not profitable or, or loss-making, insurance companies stop writing them. 
and, and what and what will happen you know we've seen it in, in the airline industry in the past we've seen it in workers comp we've seen it in lots of different areas medmal um insurance companies or a lot of them will stop writing and when there's a reduction in capacity in the industry prices go up and what will effectively happen is if, if it's mismanaged is that that small and medium enterprises will not be able to afford to get business interruption cover so that that piece of the industry will kind of die on the vine potentially and that's not good for anybody as as stan says you're you're effectively selling peace of mind in the event of a bad thing happening and that has a price and that price builds in a profit i fully accept sometimes that some of those profits are extortionate but it but it is a a a risk and reward kind of business um some insurance companies don't get that right and they go out of business there's a lot of history of companies going into runoff or going out of business because they just don't get that risk reward right yeah and and uh, speaking of uh, getting the risk reward right if we forget about insurance for for a couple of minutes and uh, look at the media reports uh, there are a few opinions there that um coronavirus situation is may not be unique there may be other similar challenges in the future with, with different types of um, of pandemic exposure, which raises the question, um, do we know how to price this risk? Um, is it going to be uninsurable? If, if it's not, do we have sufficient understanding uh, what the real exposure is? And if we can price it, will... Will, will, will the clients be ready to to pay for it? That that's another question. Jay, what do you think? Yeah, that's <laughs> that, that's a tough one. Um, I agree with that. I think all of those questions are very difficult to answer. And <clears throat> as we've seen in the insurance industry before, some companies will answer them well. Some companies won't. Some companies will choose to answer them, and some companies won't. And it and it, it 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 is very difficult to price this. I think back to Katrina, Rita, Wilma, the hurricanes that happened back in 2005. And, and I always say to people, I remember the image of the Atlantic Basin with the three hurricanes in it. And I think each one statistically was a, a one in a hundred or one in 200 year event. I can't remember the exact details, but there's a picture of the Atlantic Basin with all three of those hurricanes active at the same time. You know, so, so looking at a pandemic that's, I suppose, one in a hundred, one in 200 year event, there are going to be, people who remember Katrina Rita Wilma and say, look, yeah, that's all very well that it's a one in a hundred or one, 200 year event. But what happens if you get three of those events back to back, mm. <clears throat> you know, this, this started fairly randomly in a, in a food market in China, probably back in November, but we don't know what exactly triggered it. So, so what's to say randomly that exactly the same type of, of um, virus couldn't start in, in a food market, in India or another one in China or one in South America today. And in three months time, we could have layers and layers. You know, it's a horrible, horrible scenario. So how do you price for that? And, and the less frequency and the, and the more, the less frequent and the more severe an event is, I guess the more challenging um, it becomes to actually model that in any kind of sensible way. Now, I'm not a mathematician or a modeler or an actuary, um, but I spend a lot of time with, with people like that. And I understand this challenge. Um, if you underprice it, effectively you, you can't cover for when it happens and you go out of business. If you overprice it, people don't buy it. 
and you don't get any premium and you go out of business. So it, you know, it's a, it's an absolute sweet spot. It's an uncertainty. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know the answer to that. Maybe people smarter than me do, but I think it's a very difficult problem to solve. Yeah, I would agree. And the models for um, the spread of infections, the mathematical models behind it are actually pretty good, I would think. However, this is just one first step in, in, in this modeling process because uh, we're not just talking about um, the direct impact of the pandemic. We're talking about all these secondary impacts and uh, impact on uh, business, economy, any kind of interruption. This is where it gets really, really complex because um, you need to really um, start modeling all the supply chain connections and, and, and how this impact spreads across the chain of interaction. And this is where I don't think we have um, a, a very good model for it. And um, we definitely need to have one in the future. And if we bring the discussion back to InsureTech, there was some discussion in the webinar about whether or not the crisis would accelerate innovation in insurance. What were your thoughts on that? I think it's a great motivator. I, I, I would like to think that it, that it will. And in fact, we've seen some great initiatives from people now um, focusing on, on the IoT side of things, in particular, jumps to mind. And people like uh, Connell from, from WIA working on um, temperature sensors that don't involve contact. Uh, we've seen the open source ventilator project. Um, so yeah, a lot of smart people getting together trying to to help address this. You know whether whether that feeds into innovation in in insure tech. I don't know, but uh, you know all innovation is good, and innovation in IoT leads to more data, which leads to more information, which leads to better pricing and a, and a better result for everybody. So I think um, there will be some good innovation that, that comes out of this. Um, I don't think it in, insurance is definitely going to be at the at the forefront of that. I'd rather see the innovation help with with attacking the virus and, and trying to resolve it. Um, but, but I do think insurance will benefit from the increased levels of data ultimately. I also think that the level of innovation will uh, jump during and after this crisis. Any shock to the system brings new ideas and uh, puts old ideas under a larger scrutiny. However, saying that, one of the other topics we discussed uh, at the webinar was that, um, unfortunately, innovation is not often the highest priority for businesses. As we know, in times of, of, um, of, of, of crisis, uh, businesses tend to go back to, to the basics, how to manage cash flows, how to retain customers, um, how to basically do the core business. Uh, so anything which, de which is deemed non-essential may be put on hold. So again, it's, it's a good test for the insured prepositions if it's something which is nice to have, which which looks very fancy, but essentially is not going to bring new business, um, new source of revenue, 
it may be put on hold while other truly innovative solutions that really may help in this situation i i would hope that they will be um, adopted quicker uh, the next thing was around consumer behavior are we sensing that consumer behavior will change post coronavirus and if yes how and how are insurtechs best positions to react to that what were your thoughts on that i i remember Raphael did speak to this to some degree um, around consumer behavior changing. Um, again, I think there is a there is a tremendous level of uncertainty. Um, I I could see it on the business interruption side. I don't necessarily think it will change the uh, the focus of consumers on the day to day stuff like house insurance or or car insurance. I think more people may be encouraged if they can afford it to buy health insurance. I think that's something that for some people has always been a, an absolute essential, um, especially when you've lived in, in other countries where perhaps there isn't a, a, a social safety net to some degree. Um, so I think that might change behavior, um, purchasing behavior, not necessarily how it's purchased, but but if it's purchased. Do you have any thoughts then? Um, yes, to, we, we mentioned um, a couple of points about that at the webinar. One was um, just the several uh, anecdotes about um, um, more interest in digital and online solutions, I guess for, for obvious reasons, because uh, that, that, that channel uh, remains open while some face-to-face -face channels may, may not be available uh, right now. Um, yet, we were talking about differences um, in how um, new innovative products may perform in the situation, because uh, if we see some of the insurance products being more, more like nice to have and, uh, and non-essential due to the impact on economy and less disposable income, people may avoid buying them uh, in the short term. So I'd say the, the impact is not, it, it's not clear um, whether it will be positive or negative. I think uh, it, it's more complex than that. I was hoping we could wrap up by getting some final thoughts because obviously getting together as a community, staying together as a community is very important. So things like webinar, our virtual meetups uh, will help us as well stay sane, uh, but also help us think through the challenges and address the challenges. So how did the webinar help you think through what's happening at the moment? Yeah, that, that's a, that's a great thought. Um, I think for me, the biggest thing was the, the, the sense of community. We, we've talked a little bit about how all the startups see things in a, in a similar way and they're reacting in a similar way. That's really good. I think the challenges that the industry is facing are uh, reasonably well declared in, in the webinar. And there was a lot of interesting debate. So, you know, coming off that, still feeling part of a community, still feeling part of an industry, that is facing a challenge, um, but is is encouraged and and remaining somewhat positive about how it can address that 
challenge. Um, when you think about it, the insurance industry has had some great watershed moments over the years that have hurt it temporarily, but have allowed it to, to grow and progress um, as a result. You know, and things do change when you have a Hurricane Andrew and a Northridge earthquake close together that, that sparked off the reinsurance industry. The, the, the Hurricane Katrina, Hurricane Sandy, you know, certainly had some very significant impacts on, on the societies that they affected and on the industry. Um, there's lots of other examples in, that aren't in, in that space. That's just the space that's a bit more familiar to me. So even though it's a really difficult time, I think the takeaway for me was that uh, quite a few people took the time to get on and listen and participate. And it was it was a positive thing that the community is there. We're not going anywhere. We've got experience. We've got skills. We're going to get through this. We're going to address it in the best way that we can. We're going to take the lessons out of it in the best way that we can. And um, we're going to batten down the hatches and, and try and minimize the impact locally and, and nationally as much as we as we possibly can. You know, there was no dissent on that. I think a lot of smart people were on there and, and saying, look, you know, uh, all, all the measures around distancing and isolation are the right thing to do. They're not particularly... Um, joyous but they have to be done so you know the community is resilient uh, and, and that was the big thing that i got out of it uh yes um i i very much agree with jerry um about the sense of community as we have observed in the past uh, in in times of crisis people tend to get closer together stick together uh to go through difficult times and help each other and that's what we have seen at the webinar, preparing for the webinar. People are very approachable, very helpful, providing their help, feedback, speaking at the event. And that's what I see will, will continue uh, for, for the time being while we are staying virtual. It is, a little bit easier now to invite people to to speak and share their opinions and um yes i i think together we'll we'll get through it there's definitely um a lot higher sense of camaraderie now than um in a normal kind of uh a bit of uh slagging off of of, of insurance versus, <laughs> uh, versus technology world um we, we, we all realized we need to stick together and solve it yeah uh, and i actually remember jerry had his webcam on so i noticed his liverpool football club uh, t-shirt <laughs> never on jerry is that right absolutely i think a lot of people have, have jumped on that um obviously has different significance for for us but <laughs> you know i i've seen it embraced across the board um in in the uk particularly um, the sentiment is there. It it goes back a very long way, and I think um, you know the sense of of people being there for each other, as Stan said, is is incredibly important. Not just in the insurance community or our tech community or, or whatever, but it, but absolutely across the board. Um, streets setting up their little WhatsApp groups and all that kind of thing. You know, there is a sense that people are looking out for each other, and, and um, it's nice to see that sometimes adversity brings out the best in people. There's a there's a genuine concern for other people that I think has probably surprised some of the more cynical people in our society. 
that others are willing to go out and and take a risk to help people less fortunate or people who are compromised or people who are elderly. Um, and that's really encouraging to see. I mean, that's inspiring. So, you know, hopefully that will live on after this crisis. Good stuff. Nice way to end. Thanks for taking the time, lads. Thanks very much, Connor. Thank you, Connor. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can find us on LinkedIn, and please visit our website, insuretechireland.org. See you next week.